and welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. Each week, we are here to educate you, challenge you, encourage you along your journey with intermittent fasting, low-carb eating, and keto. Check us out at FastingLane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at FastingLane. I am super pumped about our guest this week because I just basically stalked her online until she was sweet enough to say yes to let me interview her. Our guest this week is the one and only ketogenic girl, aka Vanessa Spina. Vanessa is a sports nutrition specialist and the best-selling author of Keto Essentials. She's an international speaker on the science of keto and host of the popular fast keto podcast. She's also not just a gorgeous woman. She is also a biomedical student at the University of Toronto. Welcome, Vanessa. To be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. And you are the most beautiful stalker. So I'm happy to have you stalk me anytime. Oh, Vanessa, you're so sweet. I'm, uh, I'm super pumped. I started following you and, you know, I just think you're incredibly beautiful, but you're so approachable. And I think that you speak about things in a way that people can understand. It sounds like you've been doing this for a while. So I'll just tell you guys, she actually founded Ketogenic Girl in 2015. So it's been a few years now that she's had experience with this. And she has an online social media audience of over half a million people between Instagram, check her out at Ketogenic Girl, and Facebook, The Ketogenic Girl. Several thousand people have done her really popular ketogenic girl challenge, the ketogenic girl challenge program. And what it does is it optimizes your metabolic health with nutrient dense, real food nutrition. So here we are today with Vanessa and we're going to get real. Vanessa, when I see you, I think, and this is the thing I have, I, I used to be 300 pounds. I've had three bariatric surgeries. I've struggled with obesity my entire life. And I'll be honest, when I see a person that looks like you, I make certain judgments and I go, this person is beautiful. She's never struggled a day in her life with her health or her weight. She's always been beautiful. And, and I wish I could be like that, but it's, it's hopeless for me. So tell me a little bit about you and your journey. I would love to share. I mean, it definitely has not always been this way for me. I've lost, it's close to 50 pounds now. So I went from being about 170 pounds uh, down to my current weight, and it took me a really long time to get here. And a lot of my struggle personally was dealing with the fact that I didn't really, I had a really high body fat percentage. Mm. Um, so my body fat was about 38%, uh, which is really high. And I try to bring a lot of attention to this issue because I think that for our metabolic health, as we grow in life and age, we want to have strong muscles and strong bones. And it's really important to look at the overall picture of what our actual bodies look like on the inside and not just what they look like on the outside, because a lot of times we make judgments on how someone, how healthy a person is based on what they look like. And yet a lot of people would have thought that I was healthy at 170 pounds because I'm tall and I carried my weight relatively well. Uh, but I had severe cellulite on my body. I had a lot of uh, fat tissue and I was really under muscled, had really weak bones. I didn't feel good in my body. That's a whole other side to it. But the fat loss was a huge priority for me for those reasons and really bringing my body fat percentage down to a healthy range and growing and increasing my muscle mass because that's our metabolic currency. It's what carries us 
through life and keeps us healthy as we grow in life. Yeah. You know, my daughter is 12, almost 13, and she has watched me really come alive the past two years, find the way that I like to eat, take no medications, being sick less. And she has really changed as she watched both my husband and I do these things with her own behavior. And, and we did notice, much as I have been, a lot of times we get obsessed with the scale, especially a, a young girl going through puberty is going to get obsessed with the scale, especially if her mom is modeling this behavior to be obsessed with the scale, which I've really struggled to change. And one thing that helped me a lot was DEXA scans. And, and you talking about measuring the actual muscle mass. So I, at my peak, and I honestly don't even remember, but I think at some point when I was 300 pounds, I, I want to say I was like, I'm not sure. I don't know if it was 56% fat or 60%. It was a very huge number. And now I look at my body and all of my, I'm on no medications. I'm very healthy and I'm about 189 pounds. And for me, the thing that's most exciting is I'm finally at the 37%, 38% body fat, which for me is such, you know, like this massive improvement. And so I really didn't know about DEXA scans. I didn't know about the differences that people could look, maybe they're 120 pounds and one person's very healthy and one person's very not healthy at that weight. And the weight is not the measurement. Um, so I've had to reprogram that in my head and I still struggle with it. And I go back and forth between putting the scale away and taking it out. And it's, it's ridiculous, but I'm, I'm trying to get there, Vanessa. I really am. So I hear that you, you also do intermittent fasting that, that helped you with your weight loss. Tell us like, what's your regimen for that? Um, you know, do you have breakfast? What do, what do you typically do? Yeah. So I have had intermittent fasting as a part of my program since the beginning and I've had a daily eating window in there. So it's an eight hour daily eating window. And I usually recommend people open it around like 10 or 11 AM and then close it not too late in the evening. And just having that eating window is a daily intermittent fast of, of 16 hours. And it really, really helps the other cool thing about being on keto is that we tend to get in the post-absorptive or the fasted state more rapidly after eating meals. So you eat really, really nourishing, dense meals, and then you naturally fast between your meals because your body's so well-nourished and well-fed that it becomes less preoccupied with eating because it's so it's not starving for nutrients. You've prioritized the essential amino acids, essential fats that you need, and you're getting really well fed. So then you can focus on living life and doing other things between meals. So fasting to me should really be this organic thing that happens very naturally. I was speaking here in Prague last night about this because there was a question about fasting and I was saying, you know, the best thing about keto is that it's a fasting mimetic. We get so many of the same pathways activated from fasting through just doing a keto diet, just from the carb restriction alone, but then also it should be this organic natural thing that happens where you literally go, I forgot to have lunch today because I ate such a great nourishing breakfast and I didn't think about food. It didn't occur to me because I'm so well fed and that, that just happened. Um, and then having, you know, an eating window that's about 16, eight, I think is a really, really great place to be where you're eating your meals for the day within eight hours. So I typically do two meals a day. I start, I usually have my first one around 11 or 12, 
and then I have a dinner. I don't ever feel the need to snack between meals. And then I close my eating window after dinner and that's how I do it every day. I have experimented with doing earlier eating windows, but for my husband and I, we love to have dinner together and it just works best for us to have our second meal together always at dinner time later in the day. So it's just, you got to find ways to make it work for yourself and make it sustainable that way. Yeah. Before I did, um, low carb and keto, I spent 24 years overweight and no, let's be honest, obese, like a very, very obese. And I did calorie restriction. I did every diet. I worked out with trainers, three bariatric surgeries, therapy, you know, everything. And the thing that I could not overcome was constant hunger. I was hungry all the time. And I really like how you speak about that because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a writer and I'm a speaker and I'm a successful businesswoman. But I did all that in spite of my lack of health and in spite of these constant messages of hunger and needing to like bring my focus back to life. So now for the past two years, for the first time in my life because of fasting and low carb, I can focus on things and I'm making more bank than I ever had before because I'm able to focus more. I'm able to do better quality work for clients. And I think I'm a better mom. I think I'm a better wife. I think I'm a better daughter. Hopefully I'm a better friend. Um, because everything before I had to constantly pull myself back from it's time to eat again. It's time to eat again, six to eight to 10 times a day, because there was this nagging hunger. And for me, once I got through the first month and a half of eating keto, I was shocked that I got hungry four times in a day. It had never happened in my life. And I just asked my husband, like, is this normal? And he's like, yes, it's totally normal. And I'm like, well, now wonder people who are thin and don't have issues like this don't understand people who are not because they can't understand the constant nagging in your body and brain that is telling you, you got to eat more. You got to eat more. You got to. And that freedom has been the biggest benefit to me besides the wonderful health and being super hot, you know, besides those <laughs> yeah. that freedom in my head is like this, this huge benefit. So, um, you, you had this process, you, you lost this weight, you started in 2015. So you've been practicing this for a while. You know, I'm, I'm almost two years into this and I gotta be honest, there has never been a day when I have forgotten a meal. Like I wish there was, I, and I'm hoping that'll happen. Um, but no, it is, I'm waiting for that moment. But I, I follow pretty similar to the schedule that you do. We usually have lunch and we have dinner. I'm curious, sometimes I wake up and like today I woke up and I just like, the first thing I thought of in life was like bacon. And like, I don't usually eat until noon and I've been eating well the past couple days. So it was surprising that I woke up and every once in a while, I'm just like, gosh, like I, I got to eat something for breakfast. I didn't, I'm, I'm, I had coffee and water. I'm waiting. Do you, do you know why that is? Like if you've been eating well and you wake up and you're just really oddly hungry one day, should you eat? What might cause that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a few different things. I think, you know, sometimes I will wake up that way too. And then I usually find that I'll be less hungry for lunch or dinner. Like if I just eat a really full breakfast. So I just kind of adjust it. But I really, really focus personally on my instinctive, intuitive connection with hunger and with food and the mental and emotional aspects of it. And I find that that's been one of the biggest game changers for me is really identifying, you know, is this craving actual true hunger? Is it appetite? 
Is it emotional craving? Because I know from myself using food to soothe myself for so many years that a lot of times I perceived hunger when really I just like was not feeling super happy that morning or something in my back of my mind was nagging at me like this thing I had to sign and send back and I hadn't dealt with it and so instead I was going to this like distraction and so I think it's really important for myself personally to always be like mindful like what is actual hunger what you know if I'm actually hungry you know for bacon this morning like go and have that and and then, but notice, I might notice during the day that I might not be as hungry at other meals because I had more food than I usually do in the morning. And just bringing this layer of mindfulness always to, if you notice a trigger or something like that that you don't normally have, like asking, what is the root of it? Is it actually hunger? Because we have so many different kinds of hunger. We have appetite, we have physiological hunger when our body needs more nutrients. We also have all these strange things like clock hunger, like you get hungry at a certain time of day because you ate that time the day before. We have limbic hunger where once you have a bite of food, your body suddenly makes you really, really hungry because it thinks, well, you might not have food again, so you gotta eat everything in sight. Like there's all these different kinds of yeah. hunger and it's all just about having that relationship with yourself and that instinctive relationship where you know is this actually a hunger cue or is this like an appetite cue or is this an emotional thing? And that really helps. I love that. Yeah. I, I think that's it. I think a lot of this is in the past, I've done so many things to lose weight and it always either failed or came back. And now I'm just trying to build a new relationship with myself emotionally to yeah. say, okay, you, it's actually not coming back. It's been two years. Stop waiting to <laughs> fail. Like you actually figured it out. And now that I've figured it out, what's right for me, it's impossible. I feel like it is impossible to go back because I know how to feel good. I know how to feel full. I like food like a lot and I like to eat well and I don't always eat perfectly, but I know the difference of how I, I feel. So I'm hoping it's going to just keep getting easier. And I think it will, because there's no way two years ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, I could just probably have two meals a day and be fine. Like there was no way. So, <laughs> all right. So um, I know you work with like a variety of people and, and, and you talk about the ketogenic diet being an optimal human diet in most instances. Can you tell me like from a sports nutrition perspective, how does keto benefit athletes? I am not an athlete, but I hear more and more, you know, keto is a way for people to build muscle and not just for people who are trying to lose weight in all situations. So what do you think about intermittent fasting, keto and athletes? I love talking about performance and optimizing performance. I just had Zach Bitter on my podcast and he just broke two world records and on ultra marathon sports. And he did this all by being pretty much a zero carb athlete. Like he is really meat based. He's a ketogenic athlete and I've had other athletes who've come on the show. And I think a lot of athletes know that this is a competitive edge. Like in the 1930s, bodybuilders used to eat 20, 30 eggs a day to get all of this cholesterol that forms the precursors for our hormones that we need like testosterone to build muscle. And so when we emphasize these kinds of foods, protein and fat, we really can optimize performance. And there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. So that means that the essentials that we need, the essential amino acids and essential fatty acids, we have to get 
from external sources, but there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate that we can't get or make on our own. So our liver can make carbohydrates, it can make glucose on demand when it needs to. And I think it's so amazing that a lot of athletes are coming out and talking about this, that it gives them an edge on performance because we're doing so much cellular damage during the day, especially with workout. We need with workouts, we need to repair muscle tissue all the time. And we need to be able to replace that with a lot of protein coming in. And that involves a lot of protein and a lot of fats for cellular repair. We also have a lot of protein turnover that happens daily in the cell that's just proteins being refolded and taken down and broken down and, and reassimilated. But in terms of a performance edge, I think it's the ultimate biohack because it really aligns us with our physiology and how we were designed to function and it creates less mitochondrial oxidative stress we are eating less carbohydrates and we're able to be fat adapted we're able to be fat burners that's how we were designed to be that's why we store fat so well it's because we're adapted to burn it so well so when you can transition from being a sugar burner to a fat burner you get such an edge in so many different ways. It's not just sports performance, it's also cognition, it's our mental performance. We get an edge in all these different ways because this is how we're naturally supposed to feel, energetic, alive, and with a lot of mental clarity, sharpness, and also a lot of energy to perform really well. That's really incredible. And so like, I'm not an athlete, but I'll well, if my husband has the game on, which I don't care about, but I see it, like they're <laughs> drinking Gatorade and they're drinking sugar and they're drinking all these things. Like, should they be having salt and water? Like what, what should they be doing instead? I mean, I think it depends on the person. You know, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with an athlete being carb fueled and being sugar fueled. I mean, it is a fuel. It's a fast acting fuel. But for example, with Zach Bitter, because he's an endurance athlete, when we're doing endurance ath athletics, so that means the body is at about 65 to 70% of its VO2 max, we're actually burning fat in that state. So in that situation where someone's an ultra marathon runner, being fat adapted is a huge edge because you're not depending on having to take these gels and drink sugar and all the stuff you have stored fat on your body that you can really readily tap into. So there are certain sports, I think, that generally benefit more from being fat adapted, especially if you're operating in that 65 to 70% VO2 max range. But I think all athletes potentially could benefit from it. Like I have this athlete, Sean Seiko, he's a cyclist and he's a keto cyclist. And he's like, all my friends are like taking all these gels and things with them when we go on these long rides. And he's like, I have an espresso and like, I'm ready to go. And you know, he can power through for hours. And I know like I go hiking with my husband and father-in-law in Utah. We went on this one hike that was six hours and they are professional hikers and I am not oh a total amateur. And the last during the hike, they were taking all these like energy snacks and trail mixes and like having all this fruit. And the last two hours, they could barely move. And I was like the road runner. I was just fueling through. I, I didn't need to stop at all. I didn't need any breaks like I, because I'm so fat adapted. So I, what I did is I took 
uh, keto foods with me. I took a lot of salt water. I made sure that my electrolytes were super, you know, um, taken care of, like you mentioned, electrolytes, so that I can have all that sodium to make sure that my cells are opening and closing properly and providing a lot of calcium and magnesium. Electrolytes are really, really key, but being fat adapted can really fuel you, especially when you're talking about endurance sports and activities that require that endurance and that sustained, you know, prolonged activity. Vanessa, I'm completely intrigued by you. You are <laughs> beautiful. You have had some experience with losing weight and are sharing about your own health, but you're also pretty dang educated and brilliant. And you're bringing the science behind this to, to tie it all together, which is something I don't, I don't think I could do. Um, and I'm, I'm really intrigued. So guys, you need to follow Vanessa on Instagram at ketogenic girl. And, um, I was checking it out this morning. I have an important question, Vanessa, what is bacon pate? And, and I need to hear more about this. This is my favorite recipe. I, when I made this, I said, and this sounds a little egotistical, but I was like, this is the best thing that's ever come out of my kitchen. Like it Fantastic. tastes so good. And if you're a pate lover already, it is the next level ultimate pate. Uh, if you're not really into pate, it's a really good like gateway pate to get you started. <laughs> Um, I love to have it with pork rinds, the recipes on my website, and it is so easy to make. It only takes about five ingredients and just scooping up some pate with pork rinds. It's so delicious. It's so satisfying. And it's one of the most nutrient dense foods you can possibly make because it's made of chicken livers, which are just off the charts nutritionally. So it's, uh, it's one of my favorite recipes. I call it my savory ice cream or like keto frosting it tastes so good and it's uh yeah if you're a pate lover it's it's a really really good recipe to try I, i've been a little scared of pate but <laughs> if it's a gateway yes drug to pate that i'm in i i like i'm definitely gonna do it so tell you me about you know. I, I will so tell people a little bit about your site your books where they can find you how they can work with you tell them and why are you like so fancy and in Prague? tell us I would love to. This is my cookbook, Keto Essentials, I came out with and uh, came out with it a couple of years ago. And I've been in Prague now for about four years, uh, but it's really our home base because my husband travels a lot to speak. So we're always kind of jetting around and speaking at different events. He speaks in finance and I speak on keto and keto topics. And I love just getting to travel and go around and spread and share the word about keto. I have a program at Ketogenic Girl, which is a 20-day Ketogenic Girl Challenge. I've been running that for about four years. And it is a coaching program. It has all my meal plans in it. And it also comes with my support and coaching in a coaching and support group that we have on Facebook. And I've been running that for a while now. And it, it's been awesome. Like it, It's really effective for fat loss without having to do all kinds of exercise. And like there's no supplements. There's no exercise routines it's just make delicious keto recipes and eat them and then you have this community around you that's doing it too and people get really great results from it so i'm really proud of that program and um yeah thank you for asking me about it i want to check that out where can i find that program again it's at ketogenicgirl.com okay i'm definitely going to check that out because i don't want to exercise a lot i do a little 
I don't want to exercise a lot and I like to eat. So this sounds like a good plan for me. Um, I hear that you, um, I'm going to get to meet you in person because we'll both be speaking at Low Carb Universe in Mallorca because we're fancy like that. Tell me what you're going to be speaking about there. Yeah, so I usually talk about the biochemistry of keto this time. I'm doing a brand new talk, which is all about autophagy and cellular, the cellular cleansing process. There's a lot of myths out there about autophagy. It's kind of poorly understood. So yes. people are confused about like, oh, you have to, you know, it's this mythical thing that occurs in the body after you fasted for like five days and, you know, or three days or, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Whereas I want to talk about the actual science behind it it's kind of an ongoing process that's happening all the time in the background that is our cellular recycling program that happens and i'm going to talk a little bit more about the science behind it so people can understand how exactly it works and dispel some of the myths out there about it well i can't wait to meet you in spain guys if you haven't checked out low carb universe yet please check it out come see vanessa speak about autophagy and unravel the science behind it and make it easy to understand i need to go to that i'm definitely going to that um i'll be there talking about the lifestyle and emotional sides of intermittent fasting and my husband and i will be talking about how you don't hurt your partner when you start a new way of eating or a new uh, way of fasting and you have different views on how you want to do it or not do it together so we'll be talking about that as well but i said thank you so much i can't wait to meet you in spain Me too. I'm so excited to see you there in just a few weeks. I know. I can't wait. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for being on the show. And everybody, thanks so much for tuning into the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. You can get all the tips you need for fasting, keto, and low carb at fastinglane.com. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Fasting Lane. And until next time, to your health and hotness. Bye.